Shalom. Thank you for listening to this podcast. I am Shmuley Yanklowitz, President and Dean of Valley Beit Midrash. Here at VBM, we strive to bring you only the highest quality of Jewish learning. Bringing pluralistic and innovative Jewish programming to the Jewish community that craves substance and insight is our passion. But we cannot do it alone. To support our endeavors, please consider donating a tax-deductible contribution to our organization. By doing so, you will be supporting meaningful Jewish educational content, funding the next generation of leaders, as well as furthering Jewish wisdom to people all over the country and all over the world. Please visit www.valleybatemadrash.org. Thank you so much and enjoy the program. Today with Rabbi Deborah Waxman, PhD, who is president of Reconstructing Judaism, the central organization of the Reconstructionist movement, and host of the podcast Hashivenu, Jewish Teachings on Resilience. Thank you for taking time to talk. Oh, it's such a blessing to be with you. Thank you for having me. Thank you. So to start with your journey, what what initially inspired you personally to enter a career in the rabbinate? And how did you move toward what was, I guess, originally called the Reconstructionist movement? Um, I grew up uh, a little bit atypical. I, I am essentially like a second-generation American Jew. My my uh, my father's side, my grandparents emigrated, and I was really blessed to have my bubby in my life till I was uh, in my late 30s. And I grew up in a dense ethnic neighborhood in West Hartford, Connecticut, and we were very involved in our synagogue in Bloomfield. So I had a very nurturing experience both as an ethnic Jew, where there was a lot of Judaism in the, in the air, and as a religious Jew, very, very active in our conservative synagogue. And I think what really drew me to the rabbinate was wanting to be with, 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 with Jews, wanting to be with people, asking questions of import, and trying to build communities of meaning. And I thought again, you could do that in a lot of different ways and in a lot of different places, but I wanted to be within a framework of, of people who were of a community and a tradition where those questions had been asked for generations. I didn't want to have to start from scratch. I wanted to draw Zoom, Zoom problem. I wanted to draw from a rich storehouse. And so I just thought it would be so much easier to locate myself within Judaism. And then I think the Reconstructionist movement made a lot of sense to me because our, our, our understanding, our definition of Judaism is as the evolving religious civilization of the Jewish people. And so the people of peace was really clear to me. The religious piece was far less so, even though I went to synagogue and I prayed a lot. And it was only after I was uh, many years in rabbinical school, after I worked as a hospital chaplain, did training as a hospital chaplain, that I really began to be able to have the theological conceptualizations and vocabulary and confidence to talk about God and the expressly religious components of it. So Reconstructionism was a really good container for me um, to, to embrace both the peoplehood and the, 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 the religious components of being Jewish. Yeah, beautiful, wow. So what do you see as some of the main priorities of the Reconstructing Judaism community today? So we are the organization I head, which is uh, the, called Reconstructing Judaism, is the central organization of the Reconstructionist movement. And that organization is both, it's the seminary where we tra train rabbis from a Reconstructionist perspective. It is the central organization that 
provides services and resources and consultations for communities, about 100 communities around the world affiliated with the Reconstruction Movement. And we represent a Reconstructionist perspective in the public square. So we, our priorities really kind of emerge out of those threefold areas. We, uh, the, the rabbinical training is really, really important. And um, in addition to deep learning, uh, immersive field internships, practical training is a really important part of that. Um, for the congregations right now, we're talking in April of 2020, we are working incredibly hard to support our congregations uh, as they are working with communities in isolation. So we've been creating all kinds of resources to support them in a, in a virtual environment. And a lot of the public representation that we do, some of it is just demonstrating what reconstructionism looks like. So we do that through our wonderful website, ritualwell.org. We do that through signing on to different uh, Tikkun Olam social justice initiatives. We do that through op-eds and, and articles that we put out. So those are, those are I think those are um, activities, but, but the priorities are about advancing a robust, substantive, engaged expression of what non-Orthodox, non-Halachic Judaism looks like. Yeah, very interesting. So, you know, it's, it, it, this, is some, this is something probably so natural for you, but stepping back, I wonder how you think about the relationship between Jewish particularism and Jewish universalism. It's such a great question. And we spent a lot of time talking about it and wrestling about it. I was, you know, the founding thinker of Reconstructionism is Mordecai Kaplan, and I was reading through his book from the late 30s, The Meaning of God in Modern Jewish Religion. He talked a lot in his section on Passover about precisely this relationship between individualism, between particularism and universalism. I think that at the end of the day, I am Jewish because being Jewish helps me to be the best possible human being I can be. Being Jewish puts me in conversation with communities both vertical and horizontal, with my ancestors who came before me about to answer questions of why are we here and what are we supposed to do while we're here, with an eye toward the generations that will follow me, and at all times in conversation with people making up horizontally the world around me. And so, you know, being Jewish sometimes puts the questions in front of me, and they're questions I wouldn't necessarily ask myself. It, it enters me into relationships with other people, Jews and non-Jews, and sets forward a pathway, some of which I embrace fully, some of which I challenge and reconstruct. But it, it just so so I feel that the that you know at the end of the day. Judaism exists because it, it's that vocabulary, it's that community that raises me up so that I can be the best possible citizen of the Jewish community, of, 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 the, of America and of the, of the wider world, and of the, you know, with an ecological consciousness on the eve of uh, Earth Day, of the best possible citizen of the planet. Mm. Yeah, awesome. That's, uh, that, that's an inspiring vision, very similar to how I how I think about it, but that's, it, you, I think you, 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 uh, you make the point so, so well um, that it's about helping us to thrive and what we can contribute to society. Um, so we don't serve it blindly, but we openly allow it to transform us. So- uh, And it holds us into so a, kind of, a kind of accountability. It's yeah. not, it's not any like, it, it, we don't, A, we don't have to make it up from scratch. Right. And B, 
there is, whether or not you are a halachic Jew, there is a sense of obligation, a mutual obligation and interconnectivity that I think um, it's demanding in the best possible way. So then um, when you talk about obligation, if it's not halacha, what's, what is the source of, of obligation? What gives it a binding uh, yeah. force? Yeah, I mean, that, that is the critical question. I mean, for me, it really emerges from a communitarian perspective. That I, 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 you know, that it is in a certain way commanded by God and experienced through the community. But commanded, I don't believe in a personal God. It's much more of like, the, uh, my, 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 my theology is about the the source of life, or, you know, the Kaplan said, the power that makes for salvation. It's about, um, uh, uh, you know, uh, it, it's much more in Sor Yisrael, these non-personal non, uh, images, but, um, but, 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 but yet, nonetheless, God is experienced in this intimate way through community. And so, you know, when I look at you uh, on the screen, and right now, that's where we're at on this screen. Like, I, the, the question is, what are my obligations that applies to you as someone who's created the Shalom Elohim, as someone who is deserving of all, uh, uh, is, 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 deserves? That's, you know, you know, it's amazing. It's amazing because it's almost like the reason matters less. The fact that we can both talk about chiyu, the sense that we have obligation in some sense to the world, to each other, um, and one of us might think it's uh, from a traditional perspective, it's from Moshe, you know, Torah uh, Moshe Messinai, and or or emerges from community. The fact that we get to a place of saying we are obligated, we are, we we come to with a place of obligation. Um, it, it, it's our meeting spot. I think that's exactly right, and I think that's that's one of the things that this moment I think is so interesting because the the major task I think of liberal Judaism, of non halachic Judaism, is to articulate a vision that is sufficiently compelling that people are willing to forego their individual desires to subsume them to that larger that larger vision. Yeah. And one of the things that the coronavirus pandemic has, has done is clear away a lot of clutter and clear away a lot of competition and has really put on the table what is really important and what are we going to commit to and what are we going to cast off. Yeah. And I think that I think that there's a, an existential nature to this crisis, and people are turning, especially liberal liberal folks, liberal Jews, others, are turning back toward religion in a way that they hadn't previously. Because, because we do, we are saying, obligation is at the heart of it, and obligation ennobles us. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, you know, since, um, since you moved us towards the virus, and one of your many roles is, is supporting and, and, and counseling rabbis in the field, uh, what are some some of the, I mean, I'm sure you have tons, but what are some of the main suggestions you have for rabbis right now to be effective leaders during these times? I, mean, I have suggestions, and I also have incredible uh, learnings from the Reconstructionist rabbis that I'm in conversation with and, and other colleagues, and I also have just tremendous, um, uh, just love and support and deep appreciation and compassion, because it, it because Rabbis really, I think, uh, like and other clergy are first responders and with dealing with so much of the terror and so much of the pain and suffering uh, 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 of, of this crisis. I think that, I mean, one of the um, most important uh, recommendations I would have is, um, is uh, self-compassion and gentleness. Uh, this is so hard for everyone and we have our own Concerns and fears, we have our own challenges. So to hold ourselves as gently as we counsel other people to hold themselves 
Um, another is to turn, turn toward collegiality, turn toward mutual support, whether it's with other, uh, with the kaputa or other clergy. Um, uh, uh, there's an amazing um, Facebook group on uh, multi-faith uh, uh, clergy response to COVID-19 that has more than 6,000 members to it. Uh, um, you know, find places where you can be filled up so that, um, so that it's not only about pouring out, because for what it's worth, this is a marathon. So we have to find ways to support and renew ourselves. And I would say um, practice, you know, I, I, I mean, I, I, I learned this I, I, from the um, astronauts on the space station that um, they, they really regiment their day very carefully so that they don't get overwhelmed by the isolation and so that they don't work all the time. And, and because the need is so great and because Zoom is so ever available and seductive um, to, to both, um, whether it's about exercise or something, but also um, uh, I'm doing some Musar work right now that I'm just finding uh, deeply, deeply nourishing. Um, so to, 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 to feed ourselves, um, not just with chocolate chip cookies, but. Yeah, yeah. So I know we're, we're thinking, taking this day by day, but as, in, as institutional leaders, we also think about six months down the line, two years down the line into the unknown. And I wonder like how, what are some of the ways you envision the Jewish community changing in the wake of this virus, either positively, negatively, like what are some changes we can, or some impact we can anticipate? I mean, I, I think there's widespread consensus that the entire economy and the Jewish communal sector is gonna look different on the far side of this. And, the, but nobody knows exactly what that looks like. Um, so that's, you know, just to, to know that, to recognize that, I think, when I'm out, which is not that often, and I drive down commercial strips and I wonder, you know, which of these stores is going to reopen and which isn't, and I have that same question and imagining about which 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 synagogue or JCC yeah. is going to open. So just to just to be um, aware of that, uh, and to not try not to live in that anxiety too much. Um, so for sure, there's going to be changes. Some of the things that I hope will really change. Um, we learn from folks in the disability community deeply in this period who say, now you understand some of the challenges and obstacles that we face. Mm -hmm. And now you see that some of the solutions that are being brought online for this moment of pandemic work really well for us. So a very acute question I have is, what are we gonna take with us from the of this, of the good stuff? Mm -hmm. um, and I think that the, the accessibility, especially for folks with disabilities, for the most vulnerable, for the most isolated within the Jewish community, I really hope that we make a commitment and we carry that forward. Um, I, I think that affirmative use of social media, of, of, uh, of, of the internet, um, where it really has been about fostering relationships and deepening connection is, um, is so moving and so interesting. And whether or not we will be able to maintain that constructive orientation um, and that we don't get distracted going onward and we don't allow all of the other um, static and uh, uh, icky stuff uh, to creep back in. Um, I am, I am, uh, 
in our affiliated congregations, um, participation is way up uh, in terms of uh, Shabbat service. We, we will stream on Shabbat. So participation in services of affiliated members, some folks who had left the congregation have rejoined. I hope that that level of engagement, uh, I hope that level of connection, I hope that level of appreciation for the richness of, of um, community. And I think one of the things that I think is so special about synagogues and, and churches is that it's one of those places where we're not niches. We're not, we, like we come together across ages and across interests. And we, in that way, we challenge each other and we learn from each other and we lean on each other. And I hope that people are um, experiencing that in meaningful ways right now and will remember it if and when, like, I don't know what normal is going to look like on the far side of this, but I hope this is this becomes part of the, the, the next normal. Yeah, wow. So just the last question for you. Um, we can't talk in, uh, today and not mention that it's Yom HaShoah, of course, commemorating the massacre, the slaughter of six million Jews and other populations. And it always feels hard. I mean, um, as we get further from it, we could still hear the cries and uh, we see rising anti-Semitism, rising culture of hate, and yet we are isolated uh, in many ways, connected but isolated. I wonder how you're experiencing Yom HaShoah differently this year, if at all. So I, I might make two observations. Like one is that a couple weeks ago I was on a call and um, someone talked about reaching out to like an adopted grandmother who was a Holocaust survivor and, and she said, the, the elder said to the younger woman, you know, I lived through the Holocaust, but at least there were other people around. This may be worse. Wow. And uh, it just, it slayed me. I, 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 I couldn't recover for hours. So just really, um, you know, I, even as those of us who are lucky enough to live in materially comfortable circumstances, just to, to really uh, reach out to those who are isolated, like to learn from it and also to register how hard the isolation can be, especially, you know, for folks who, who live alone or, um, uh, and I, uh, this morning in our community uh, service in our tefillah for the rabbinical seminary as part of the service commemorating Yom HaShoah, um, someone read from an absolutely beautiful poem by uh, Nelly Sachs, who was a Yiddish poet, who was a survivor. Um, and she, it, was, it was just uh, fascinating to listen to what, this was a lament of trauma and to, to see resonances. Um, I mean, my podcast that I host is, is tries to look at um, resources, raising up resilience. Uh, from Jewish practice, from Jewish wisdom, because our ancestors, we from from millennia to centuries to seventy years ago, knew how to encounter the most difficult times and to survive and even to thrive. But that's not to say that the pain isn't there. That it's it's not just it's it's about opening ourselves to to vulnerability and to feeling the pain and to making a resolve of going forward at the same time. So my experience of Yom HaShoah this year, I, I feel very tender, uh, I feel personally, in a way that, uh, you know, it's hard to remember from year to year, but it feels 
I'm, I'm softened up. I am prepared for this um, very powerfully at this moment. Beautiful. Beautiful. Friends, continue to follow and check out the amazing work of Rabbi Deborah Waxman. Thank you so much for your time. Such a blessing. Take good care. Thank you so much.